you're at RT Podcast. We're about to hear a reading from Gustav Steinbrecht's Gymnasium of the Horse, provided by Classical Audio Horsebooks and Gold Leaf Farms. Here we go. It is the rider's task to make the correct selection from these movements and exercises according to the special talents of his horse. The conscientious observance of certain main principles and the gradually gained experience will then be or become his reliable advisors. As the first main principle of the art, I urge every rider to ride your horse forward and set it straight. When I say riding forward, I do not mean driving the horse forward in the fastest and most extended gates, but rather for the rider to take care to maintain an active thrust of the hindquarters in all exercises, such that, not only in the movements in place, but even when moving backwards, the forward motion, namely the desire to move the load forward, remains in effect. The horse must therefore be enabled through practice to restrain its thrust to the utmost by increasing the load. But thrust should never be completely suppressed by overdoing it. Additionally, I consider a horse to be straight not if it carries its body entirely without bending, but if its forehand is adjusted in a forward direction to the lines to be traveled so that the horse's forelegs precede the hind legs under all circumstances, even if its body is bent to the greatest extent possible, and in the movements on two tracks. The hind legs, in turn, follow the forelegs unconditionally in that they always step forward in the direction of movement, and never to the side of that direction. If these two golden rules are not observed due to ignorance or negligence, all of the faults that make a horse resistant, and often even ruin it, develop during training. The adherent of the natural carriage, who usually rides his horse in free gates and on straight lines, rarely violates these rules. We find in his horses innate faults that are caused by temperament, excitable nerves, or faulty eyesight, but rarely do we find stubbornness or learned vices. The trainer, however, has a difficult task in this respect right from the start because he works his horse in a limited space and is continuously forced to ride turns, that is, to artificially adjust the forehand forward. He cannot accomplish this by guidance alone but must support the work of his hands with his legs in order to cause the hind legs to follow correctly. This following alone determines the way of going because the thrust of the hindquarters becomes more effective the straighter it acts against the body mass, according to the principle that a pushing or lifting force must always be directed toward the center of gravity of the load. When moving on a curved line, this includes all turns on one track. The horse must be part of this line. It must be bent in its body to the extent required by the curve. 
the degree of the required bend depends on the size of the circle on which the horse moves. The smaller the circle, the greater the bend. This bend must extend over the entire spinal column so as not to have an adverse effect on the horse's way of going. The spinal column forms the firm basis to which the remaining parts of the skeleton are attached, either directly or indirectly. The skeleton, in turn, not only serves as a firm support for the muscles, but also as a protection for the precious internal organs. In the center of the vertebrae, well protected as an extension of the brain, extends the spinal cord, which provides the entire body with the nervous system, the organ of sensation and animation. The direction of this main stem, therefore, also primarily determines the activity of the individual limbs during movement. To work it correctly, namely make it flexible, is one of the main tasks of a trainer. By nature, the horse is able to bend this part considerably. The strong bends and curvatures that it is able to perform voluntarily, which are stronger than any ridden movement would require, are sufficient proof. It is the object of the art of riding to control this flexibility in such a way that the horse takes on a bend of a certain degree when certain aids are given and retains this bend uniformly and obediently. This then gives the rider the means to turn his horse easily and reliably and doing so to put more weight on its inside hind leg, enabling him to work it successfully. If the lateral bending of the spinal column is developed sufficiently, if the riding of curved lines has accustomed each individual hind leg to carrying a greater load, if the extensor muscles of the neck are able to yield, and if the resistance of the pole has been overcome, it is time to put the weight on both hind legs. Thanks again to Classical Audio Horsebooks and Gold Leaf Farms for this reading from Gustav Steinbrecht's Gymnasium of the Horse. Join us again for the next RT podcast.